Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Hello, good morning. It might not be morning for you, but it's morning for me. And I've got a very exciting podcast today because I get to drink lots of beer and talk about wildlife. And in today's show, I have Graham Denton, who is the managing director of From the Notebook, which is a company formed in 2012 to celebrate the diversity of British wildlife through the lovely drink that is beer. They donate money from each beer sold to help fund wildlife charities. Now this is normally the bit where I hold my hand out and I ask for coppers for buymeacoffee.com but today I'm going to ask you to do something a little different and I'm going to ask you to buy one of Graham's lovely beers as they support a host of nature charities including Butterfly Conservation, Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust, Marine Conservation Society, BTO and many more. So if by the end of this podcast you find yourself fancying one there's a link below to them and you can buy them online. They are absolutely brilliant. I'm not just saying that because he gave me a load of beer, they are great. In today's chat, we sample three beers while looking at what gave him the idea to start the company, how much money has been raised for charity, and of course, hangover cures. Here's the chat. Well, thanks for joining me, Graham. It's a pleasure to be here, Jack. Thank you for having me. This is probably the most excited I've ever been for (laughs) for a podcast because one, we're together and normally it's on Zoom. And two, just to describe for the listeners at home, my kitchen table is full of beer, which is which is great. Which is how I like to spend the occasional night in my kitchen. Yes, I did think that of you. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be trying three of these beers today, talking a little bit about what kind of started you off with it all, and the wildlife and the charities and whatnot. So, what what's the first beer that we're we're going to be trying? Uh, we'll try um, my personal favourite to start off with. You know, it's all downhill from there. Really. <laughs> uh, the Arctic Turn. Um, it's one of the first beers that I um, I produced. And the story goes that it was whilst I was on holiday going to the Farne Islands and coming back off the Farne Islands, having a wonderful time, having my head pecked by the Arctic Turns and seeing the puffins, <laughs> that I went into the local shop in Sea Houses to buy my local beer. And I was surprised that they didn't have anything... Um, bird like to offer in terms of like I thought well surely if, if they sold a beer called Puffin here that would sell really well um, so I had this kind of seed in my head that uh, that would be a, a bit of a money spinner and uh, and so it came to pass later on. So shall we each recrack the I'm, 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 <laughs> I haven't quite got the shakes I'm not there just yet but uh, I think I have tried this beer before and I seem to remember liking it and what percent is this? Uh, this is 6% by design. Blimey, uh, right. The idea behind this beer is that uh, when you go onto the Fine Islands and uh, you have to wear a hat because these uh, these lovely creatures, they, they do peck at your head. So the fact that it's 6% means that it will eventually peck your head as a beer. <laughs> and what we try to do with all our beers is to get some of the characteristics of the bird or the animal or whatever we choose to go on the label. Uh, to actually represent itself in the beer. So um, the Arctic Turn as a beer is kind of quite a pale looking beer. So it matches the plumage and it's made with a couple of American hops. So Uh um, it's kind of quite hoppy and quite feisty, 
So well, you look, kind of get that. So cheers. Cheers. Let's try a little bit of this. Let's uh, let the taste buds. Mm. Oh yeah, on when it goes down, you can tell I'm a seasoned beer drinker. When it goes down, you, that hop comes through, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You can really. So I guess it's not craft beer, but chances are, if you like craft beer, you'd probably quite like this one, would you? Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's kind of on the edge of between traditional and craft beer, and in fact, it's. It's modelled really on a couple of uh, really nice uh, craft beers that I I, um, I know about. One is one a, a rather large company from Scotland, who you might have heard of. of and uh, yeah, one of their beers I'm a big fan of um, their original beer. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of based on that, and it does it does a similar job to what. And I does. guess the advantage of it being six percent, if you do drink a few of them and go on the Farne Islands, if a turn pecks you on the head, you're not going to feel it, are you? Yeah, that's a disadvantage. <laughs> if you can get in and out of the boat when you get yeah, there. it's a challenge if anything. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's but as a six percent beer, it's um, dangerously drinkable. Mm. I know a lot of people they kind of they they may may have like a lot of craft beers. But they find that after one or two, they're quite... They get quite, a bit much, don't they? They're a bit they? hoppy and just the hop stays in, in your mouth and has a, has a different mouthfeel. Um, but with this, it kind of it isn't that aggressively hoppy. It's, it kind of really ends up being very well drinkable. It's quaffable. It is. <laughs> I would definitely... Dangerously drinkable. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can. I could sink a few of those without realizing, and then then it, it's when you stand up. That's the classic thing with drinking nice beer, <laughs> isn't it? You're all right when you sat down, and then as soon as you stand up, you're like, "Oh, okay, here we go. Let's uh, let's crack on with that." No, this is lovely. It is. A, mm. It is a nice beer, and you know the, the sales figures don't lie. People seem to really really warm to it. Is this one of the more popular ones for you? Then it's probably our best selling beer. Is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's pretty uh, pretty good. And and we mentioned that. Obviously, you're not just making this beer for yourself. You're doing it for for charity. So, how much money have you raised for for different wildlife organisations? Uh, since we've been uh, going since 2012, um, we've raised more than sixteen thousand pounds for various uh, wildlife charities. I counted them today, and there's sixteen different charities involved in that. So we kind of like to <laughs> like to spread the wealth. So every beer that we make, uh, the creature that might be on the label actually benefits from the sale of the beer. And as a biologist, this is something that I always wanted to do with my beers uh, when I made them, is that, you know, the, the creatures would benefit from the sale of the beer. And that's turned out to be a kind of ethological approach that a lot of people have, have really warmed to. And uh, certainly one of my best customers, uh, which we might talk about later, um, he kind of like saw the potential in, in my beers and uh, yeah, he kind of buys lots of them from now and we actually do uh, make beers for the creatures that he's he's passionate about um, conserving so where's the idea then to combine wildlife and beer i know you said what kind of started you off in northumberland but why why mix beer drinking or buying beer and giving it to to wildlife charities uh, well i think there's a lot of people who who like the outdoor life who actually will uh, subscribe to a lot of wildlife charities so so the fact that a lot of people will have a ramble and then go to a pub on a circular walk and then have a pint will be really enthusiastic about about supporting wildlife in general so that's that's part of the process also i kind of wanted to have this kind of 
idiosyncratic approach whereby you could kind of make a beer for almost any species just by kind of thinking about how you would make it, what the hop bill would be, what malts you'd use, what colour it was going to be, what aroma it might have, whether it was a, an aggressive beer or a non-aggressive beer and all those things. So it seemed to be a really good match for um, having having a brand. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking for something that would be a brand and I wanted it to support wildlife. So this was the, the way we make wildlife-inspired idiosyncratic beers absolutely fit of the bill and you can see from the labels that we've kind of managed to do that in the label form themselves i know the people in your podcast actually but if you if you looked at our, our website then you'd be able to see that we kind of have a label that's in the style of somebody who's who's out there in the field and does these wildlife sketches of various various creatures that are interested in and then annotates them with like you know showing what the distinctive features are of that particular creature and that's the style of the of the label that we have it's an a wildlife enthusiast in the field um surrounded by the creatures that they're passionate about you were saying earlier like you've you've not done a spider beer yet, but you were contemplating it but you were trying to give the beer a bit of bite like kind yeah. of simply obviously you know you think of a spider having a bite and then if you do something like a, a blackbird, that beer is going to be a little bit darker. So you're taking the characteristics like you were on about, which I think is quite a nice way to kind of marry the couple up. It is. And uh, you, you find out after you've done a few that, that you can kind of almost, <laughs> not not cheap, but you kind of like a, a spread the boundaries of, <laughs> of what you might be able to get away with. But uh, on, on the whole, it's quite, it's quite easy to um, choose the, a particular creature and then get a beer that really suits it and I think we've managed to do that with a lot of um, a lot of the beers we've had what we do struggle with is something that might be blue <laughs> there's like not very many beers are blue but you know things like we make the red admiral it's really easy to get red into beers and like you said with the blackbird then that you know you'd think that would be kind of a dark beer we've made ours is as we call it a mellifluous mild which kind of suits the creature even more so um, and yeah, that's just we just go from that. And one of the one of the ones that I'm really pleased about is the the Roseate Turn, which we do for the um, the Roseate Turn Life Project on Coquit Island in Northumberland. I met up with um, the site manager there, Paul Morrison, um, way back when when we went to the Amble Puffin Festival. Would you believe they have an <laughs> Amble Puffin Festival? We were selling our our um, Farn Island based um, seabird beers there and uh, he he said well why don't you do a roseate turn beer for us so what we tried to do with that beer and I've had an instance here oh you've got it with you yeah. ah, okay. basically we, we tried to incorporate a kind of rosy hue into the colour to okay. make it distinctly different from the arctic turn yeah and so we used something called crystal malt to go in there and we 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 brewed it and we made it and what we found is it's kind of the, the because it's more malty and, and less and less hoppy it was much more of a of a mild beer a kind of less aggressive beer than the arctic turn and i got anecdotal evidence from paul morrison when he's been doing uh, surveys on the island whereby he um he will go to a nest box which had got roseate turns in it and he'd lift the lid and the the birds would just walk along let him let him do the census and then, and then when it finished, they just walked back into the nest. So kind of 
They're not as aggro. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, the Arctic Terns would be trying to peck his head and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, drill into his cranium. And so the difference between like the, the Arctic Tern as a beer and the Roseate Tern as a beer in terms of their, their attitude works really well in the profile of the beer that we've got. Yeah, no, it's nice to bring those characteristics into the, the beers, definitely. Have you, I mean, obviously things are opening up now. Have you missed beer? Are you are you a beer festival kind of person? And that might sound obvious, or maybe not. Yeah, I do. I do have to go to beer festivals in in, in order to do a little bit of market research. <laughs> to, to see where Purely the, market see where research. Where yeah. I don't really drink that much beer, honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do like going to beer festivals. It's a it's a great social uh, activity, and I have missed it during lockdown. I haven't been able to go to my my local beer festival here in Nottingham for a number of years now, so so yeah, I, I do I, miss that. I saw one at the cricket ground the other day. I was driving, oh, I was on the bus at home late at night, and I, was, I, I thought, oh, is there a cricket match on? But it was just full of people going into a little outdoor beer festival. Oh, that's always nice that they've they've come back. So I do. That's one thing I do like a good beer festival because it's one of the few occasions where it's socially acceptable to be fairly drunk before two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Uh, without being judged too harshly, so I haven't I haven't done one for a long time, but it's on the it's on the to do list. Well, that was a really nice one. Shall we should we try the second beer? So what's the what's the next beer that you've got to? Uh... Okay, well we'll go for a more kind of like we talked about the Arctic term being a little bit of a craft beer. Yeah, uh, we'll go to for a more traditional approach. Now this is kind of um, this is called Hedgehog, ah. and you had, you had Hugh Warwick on the other day. Uh, we did have Hugh on, yeah. And this uh, supports the PTES, People's Trust of Endangered Species, and the British Hedgehog Preservation Society. They both get royalties from the sale of this ah, beer. Okay. So, so in terms of its idiosyncratic nature, we say that the hedgehog beer has got a, uh, an earthy nose and a prickly finish. <laughs> and well, that makes sense. What it is, is it... The colour of it is kind of looks looks a little bit hedgehoggy colour. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's and a it's lot kind darker. of like a traditional bitter. And this the recipe, this is brewed in a in a Nottingham brewery, Pheasantry Brewery, and this is um, an award winning recipe. So, you know, the beer inside is pretty good. It's okay. been judged by camera and others as being a terrific Cheers. beer. Cheers. And and with I mean I guess let's have a little smell of it. Ah, so that's not you, nowhere near hoppy as the one before, is no, it? No, it's more of a traditional bitter. Yeah. It's kind of an easy drinking mm. session bitter. Because if you compare beer tasting to, to wine tasting, I guess it's not as poncy, is it? Generally. Uh, no. <laughs> so, but if someone if someone is going to kind of have a nose for beer, what what are they looking for? Like what, um, what are you looking for in a good beer, basically? I mean, I guess it's personal taste to a degree, but... Yeah, I mean... Uh... Myself personally, I, I do I do tend to sniff a beer before I have it. <clears throat> yeah, well, presumably if it smells yeah. nice, it's probably going to taste nice. And sometimes, like when I'm in a pub, that my wife says that that like, looks weird. Stop sniffing your beer, Graham. <laughs> so it does, uh, <laughs> it does it does look a bit weird, but it's uh, something that w- when you've got a really lovely hop aroma, yeah, and, uh, you know you can when you go out and you smell wild hops in in the field and you you know rub them between your fingers you just get that lovely lovely smell yeah. of hops and uh yeah i think if you're gonna start off with that <laughs> if you're gonna get into your your ale as well you because one of the things so i used to drink it a lot at university because it was cheap and cheerful but i didn't necessarily enjoy enjoy that much ale and then i quickly learned that most pubs will let you try a bit 
before you have it. So if you if you are a new, new to this ale game, definitely ask the pub to try a bit because I think I'd like probably maybe two in ten. So not a high rate, but I'd drink them because they were cheap. But now I'm a little bit more fussy what I drink. And I, but I'll try them before and make sure I actually enjoy it because you know if you've got a pint of something you're not going to enjoy, it's uh, it can be a bit of a slog. Yeah, and it can be quite expensive as well. If you're not enjoying something that might be you know four pounds plus. Well, yeah, I know. Then, uh, and I think a lot of the a lot of the real ale pubs who have a, a variety of, of beers will will let you try one before. Normally, how many? Here's a question for you: How many? Uh, kind of freebies do you reckon you can get before it's kind of you taking the piss a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well maybe kind of if you go up every time you go to the bar and you try it and you want to have okay. a sample then um, I think that's a bit pushing it a little bit if I, once or twice it might oh, okay. be okay I, I did five and then I got asked to leave I wasn't trying it on I just, I just couldn't find a beer I liked and I think the guy was like dick and then eventually eventually they just said look you've got to buy a pint or go like, well i don't like any of the beers and then they all go so uh yeah make make don't do five it would be my advice try a couple and then uh i'm, I'm normally quite lucky because i like all beers so there's not very many beers that i won't i won't try or drink and i kind of try and buy pints so i just kind of just you risk, you're, you live a yeah, dangerous life, Graham, yeah, yeah. don't you? But sometimes you know they might they might be it might be the bottom of the barrel or it might be it might have gone off for some reason or it might yeah. not have cleaned their pipes. Yeah, I always take it back uh, if I if I didn't think yeah it was the beer that the brewer would like to serve. And you were saying with your beers, if if people want to try, I mean, and we'll get onto plugging this mercilessly at the end. But before we get there, you're not likely to find this in a pub, are you? You've got to buy this online with, with a couple of exceptions uh yeah I, I kind of made a conscious decision I, I did sell the beers in cast but my kind of business model doesn't afford me much of a profit margin doing that so uh, i just just decided to do bottles in the end um it's it's really hard for me as a kind of i don't have the brewery myself so i rely on my collaboration with breweries around the country to help me make these wildlife beers um, and so, you know, when you when you're the middleman, you just get squeezed from both sides. So you know, the breweries might put their prices up, and the wholesalers want the product for less, and you just get squeezed in the middle. Um, so as a kind of um, business model, it's not that great. But as a kind of hobby, which it is now, because I'm I'm retired and I I don't do this to make money for myself, then then I'm quite happy to to carry on giving. Sensibly, all all of my profits go to the wildlife charities. I don't really make any. I don't take a wage. Don't make any money from it. So, I'm just in it for them, really. And and I enjoy doing it. I yeah, understand. I was going to say, obviously, you do it to help them out, but you enjoy the process, which is one of the reasons you you're doing it. And I, I suppose an easier way for people would be, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, when Bird Fair opens, let's say next year, you generally are there selling your wares aren't you with the with the bottles of beer i am it's probably well i don't i don't do that many trade fairs per se and obviously i haven't done many for the last couple of years um but i don't do many but the bird fair is an absolute must for me and um i do now get noticed and people do come to me for their beers on a repeat <laughs> every year basis so that's really good i've got like some loyal customers there 
So I know I can always sell there and I'm always kind of welcome there. And we do really good trade in the in the local produce tent, which is, you know, so you can... The busiest you know, tent, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's great because it's right <laughs> next to well, where the events tent is, where you have all the all the guest speakers and things. And they, they, they siphon them out of that tent right past me. So it's quite <laughs> nice. So, so you get a really good footfall in the tent. And then people by kind of day two realise, hang on a minute, I can get some bread there, some cakes there, some some fantastic kind of meats there if you're into that kind of thing, and uh, and then some beer, and we can make a picnic up from the local produce tent, and they don't have to get a burger and chips or whatever no, it might exactly. be. So, so well, another kind of really well. a bird fear survival tip is that although you know they do have one or two beers in the tent because um, bird fear if you've never been they do have a bar there, but it can be a bit pricey. It's well worth uh, dipping into Graham's. A tent in the food bit and getting a couple of bottles of his beer because not only is it cheaper but often it's a lot nicer as well so that's my bird fear survival tip for leave, any listeners i'll leave an opening for you yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well normally if i come i'll always come and say hello and, and try and grab a couple of a couple of bottles off you um it's uh yeah what was the next one sorry i'm trying to look like a professional and i'm reading off uh off here uh, so how do you pick the species to go on the bottle? I know you said sometimes the the beer makes the animal and the animal makes the beer. So what comes first? Do you do you pick the animal and then mold the beer around it or do you do you make the beer and then pick an animal? If you're going to pick the animal, you kind of have it in your head that it really needs to you really need to show off the characteristics in in beer form if you can. Like yeah. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's more easy to do that than than others and I know we've talked we've talked before about doing a fish beer to support yes. fish charities yes 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 that's your passion um so with a fish beer you've got to be really careful about what fish you might choose because yeah. people might think it you know it's easy to do but it's not certainly no. some birds are a little bit easier and mammals a little bit harder usually but some mammals, yeah. like we've said with the hedgehog, kind of, it's really quite easy to to pick out the major characteristics and go for them. But yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, you've got the kind of ruby red belly of a stickleback. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of writes itself, I guess. I mean, if you go alliterative, you go barbel bitter or burbot bitter if you want to go for kind of mm-hmm. an, an unusual fish. Um, I'm sure there'd be something we could cook up. I mean, if if we had. Eight or nine bottles of beer. I'm sure by the end of the night we'd we'd come up with uh, with something. But I think yeah, somewhere down the line, you need to do some kind of aquatic, fishy, uh, fishy beer for sure. I mean, no, I was gonna say fish infused beer, but that's not gonna. That's probably not gonna be a selling point, is it? Who wants fishy beer? Well, someone well, yeah, might. I mean, some some people say you know, we make a beer called Puffin. Yeah. And they say, well, does it taste of sand eels? No, it doesn't. <laughs> and and I say, no, puffins were harmed in the making of this beer. And I, say, I think if we went down the, the, the fish route, I mean, an obvious example for to me would be brown trout. It's really easy to make a brown, a ale. brown ale. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then you've got to think commercially, would, do you think that would sell? Well, um, I mean, you've got fly anglers. Yeah. They like a drink. Yeah. And you've also got a charity called the Wild Trout Trust. Yeah. So you've got your charity set up, you've got a market in anglers, and you've got an easy beer. So um, that would be a good one. And they are, although they're brown, the artwork they've got red spots along them as well. Mm-hmm. So you could even incorporate a bit of red. So that would be a bit of a slam dunk, maybe. And I do know quite a few people at the uh, 
the wild trout trust. So I could always um, l- l- introduce you to them and see where see where that goes. Yeah, that would be great. And yeah. uh, the other the other angle for that is that um, obviously brown trout are kind of an indicator of c- clean waters. And yeah. you, what we do with quite a lot of the species that we have, we have like an, an, a little environmental message on on the back of the label. And I think kind of you know with the news this week about um, releasing sewage into mm, the rivers. D- different I mean, kind of brown trout floating in the yeah, rivers. <laughs> then, then I think, um, you know, having having a kind of, you know, an angle on that would be, you know, would be good. Yeah. People, good... Would, would, people would think, well, at least this company's trying to address the matters. And, and you know, not being too political, but just saying, you know, there is an environmental issue here. And that you know, if we don't look after the, our rivers, then you won't see any brown trout. And no, when you do look after rivers, you do see them. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of uh, a lot of sense, definitely. And with you know, you, you've had a pretty long career uh, looking at lots of wildlife and, and drinking beer. And I wondered, is there any room to combine the two? So, have you ever been bird watching, and you've had one too many beers? Well, I mean, I guess it's not the sort of thing you'd generally consider. But I'm sure there must be people out there who've had a couple of beers and then gone, uh, gone birding. Be a local patch, I guess. Um, not something that I've. I've <laughs> I mean, when I go on on walks in the countryside, I would normally kind of, you know, do a bit of bird spotting or whatever on the way. It's a um, beer at the end of the day, it's isn't a it? Beer at the end, yeah. yeah, I don't know too many people who would be kind of willing to. <laughs> Try and look through their binoculars after having a That's, few Arctic turns. Yeah, yeah. All these four hoopos over there. Like, no, actually, it's just the one. Yeah. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think the the beer at the end of the day is more the ritual, isn't it? I think I can definitely uh, agree with that. Should we try the the third one then? So, what's the third beer we're going to have? Uh, the third one is Red Admiral. Ah, okay. So after the Seabird series that we um, we made uh, back in. 2012, uh, we decided to talk to Butterfly Conservation because um, my co-director at the time, Colin Bowler, very keen butterfly enthusiast and right. absolutely loves his butterfly and he does a lot of uh, transect work for Derbyshire uh, Butterfly Conservation and uh, so he was keen because uh, he knew quite a lot of butterfly enthusiasts to do some butterfly moth beers. So in the end we ended up doing, I think, seven in total of butterflies and moths for them of which uh, we now kind of we've pared down a little bit since since covid and and actually before that so we we just make the red admiral at the moment okay um, but we do have plans to do to do more moth beers i mean the, the death's head hawk moth that we did as yeah. a style was very popular and that was made by silence of the lambs that's the yeah the, the same kind the of moth species, in that isn't yeah. it yes yeah yeah, yeah. That was a popular one for you. And the, the guy who actually um, drew the label for us, Stuart Sexton, a, a wildlife enthusiast in Northumberland, he actually reared one. And uh, I think that was the very animal that they did a, a squeak on spring watch or winter watch or whatever. Oh, is that was right? Yeah. I said, what is this creature? And it was, it was a recording of his death's head hawk moth. And ah. it was like linked to our beer. So that was really quite good. So Spring Watch is subtly promoting your uh, your beers. Oh, I wish they would uh, <laughs> subtly promote my beers. That would be you've great. not when you've been at Bird Fair, you've not had any any kind of faces come by and, and try some or get a bottle. Uh, yes, because um, um, 
good friend of mine from university, Mike Diljam. Ah, okay. Uh, I always try and meet up with him when I go to the bird fair and have a have a um, have a little chat about the good old days back when we were students and uh, and yeah, and he likes the golden ale, so it's not a hard sell then. No, it's not a hard sell now. <laughs> Lovely. So this well, is a red admiral. So okay. You can look at the colour. Cheers again. Cheers. Thank you. It's got this kind of like red hue. Yeah, it has it. I'll put it up to. So this has got more because the last beer was quite flat, wasn't mm-hmm, it? But yeah. this one's got a definite head on it. Yeah, it's a bit more lacy. So lacy. What's so? Is that beer terminology? Yeah, it's got a lacy head. Mm. It's that white head. Oh, that's nice. It is a nice beer. It's yeah. a lot more malty. Yeah, it is. So it's we bring that out in the autumn because obviously that's when you see quite a lot of red admirals with the feeding on the ivy flowers, mm. which is also on the label. <laughs> and um, and so it makes a really good uh, beer for like the, the winter season because it's, it's a little bit like a traditional English strong ale. Yeah, it's, well, it's definitely four point eight percent, but even so. Because before, so we had fish and chips before we started, and I asked you what to pair certain things with, and you were saying gold nail is good for fish and chips because it kind of cuts through the grease, was it? That's right, yes. So what would what would you recommend eating with if you were going to have a bottle of beer and you, with a meal? What probably, would this kind of, probably some lamb. Yeah? And a more hearty yeah. uh, Sunday dinner sort of stuff. Or some kind of pumpkin. Kind pumpkin? Of oh, that's very topical at this yeah. time of year, isn't it? I mean, what we couple of days before Halloween. That is really nice. You know what? I'm tempted to say, I might wait till I finish it, but that might be my favourite of the mm-hmm. night. That is a really nice ale. It's always been a, a really popular seller. And I'm not generally a fan of Ruby Ale, but that um, that is lovely. That is really, I, I need to put it down at some point. But obviously we've got... Because to, to spoil the illusion, we have, we're have we not drinking the whole bottle while we're doing it. We're not chugging bottles <laughs> in between these, but we will we will finish them afterwards. So... I will look forward to uh, to giving that one a go. And, you know, one of the age-old questions with obviously drinking quite a lot of beers is, is hangover and trying to cure them. So I wonder if you've got a, a miracle hangover cure. Or do you not get hangovers? How, how do you get with them? I rarely get hangovers, um, but the best cure, I think, is hair of the dog. Do you reckon? Mm-hmm. Oof. That happened to me once when I'd been to um, a stag party. Okay. I woke up in the morning and tried all the all the kind of normal cures. Cut breakfast. Yeah. Didn't work. Um, then like Mars bars and things or crisps to get like yeah. kind of salt and so it didn't work. Cups of tea didn't work. So we all went to the pub and started <laughs> drinking again. And after a few pints of Guinness, I was fine. <laughs> but then what do you do when you get a hangover the next day? Well, you just, you just don't drink as much after that session. You wean yourself off. You wean yourself off the headache. Ah, I might give that one again. I mean, normally I try and I get up, try and have a shower, eat something, go for a walk. If that doesn't work, then I'm, I'm just in for it for the day. But I'm, I have to admit, now, I mean, I'm hit 30 now. I only need to look at a pint of beer. And I get a bad head. Then I, I I don't know how I used to do. It. I used to drink an ungodly amount of alcohol when I was at university, and uh, I'd get up the next. I, I'd I'd turn up to a eight o'clock lecture, you know, bright and fresh and bushy tailed. And now uh, I'm more or less in a coma if I uh, if I get hungover. I just can't can't hack it anymore. But well, your liver's getting older. My liver has, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but it, it it's had a. It's, it's, it's been put through its paces, put it that way. In my early 20s, it was put through its paces. So uh, maybe I could um, 
could do with a couple of months off or something. Because they recover. The liver's got a, a remarkable capacity to recover, hasn't it, if you give it a chance? It has, yes. Yeah. So okay. maybe I need to give it a little bit of a rest. Yeah. I don't think you're an alcoholic, though. No, no, no. I hide it well, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I hide it well. <laughs> oh. is, is there a species... We mentioned fish, then. Is there a species you'd like to get on a bottle of beer, then? Is there one charity or a species you think, I'd love to do a beer on that? Uh... Yes, there is, but I kind of I don't want to tell you on microphone because it would be a, a commercially it would could be quite lucrative. I think. And oh, okay. I, I've had an idea for it for a while, and it would be I think it'd be a fantastic beer. Okay, all right then. Uh, is there anything that? Okay, so not the most then. Is there anything then that is not going to uh, bankrupt you if we talk about? It? Is there something else that maybe you were thinking about? Well, there are there are a few species that I've I've. Don't know. We we touched on it before. The, yeah. The Ted Hawkmoth that we haven't done for a while, and I'd like to resurrect. I think, you know, um, visiting kind of those old ones will be, will be a good idea. I'd like to do um, more work if I could with the different um, wildlife trusts, because we did um, we celebrated the sixty years of the Leicestershire Rutland Wildlife Trust with a with a beer called European Fox, and we sold that at the Bird Fair, and that was a really big hit, and it was a lovely beer, lovely beer. You'd think that would go well in Leicester because of the football, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, we'd kind of, we'd like to brew it again with a Leicestershire brewery. Yeah. And then the idea might be to have, like, you know, representation of the wildlife trusts around the countryside brewing locally for them. Yeah. And I think that would be, that would work, work well. And I must say, I'm really proud that we just brought out um, a beer for the Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust, our first one. Oh, brilliant. Uh, what the, was... It's uh, the Sand Martin. Oh, because of Attenborough and places like yeah. that when you get... Uh, they get a lot of Sand Martins there, don't they? So, yeah. So, I mean, this is the first beer where we've tried to make it idiosyncratic okay. because of its habitat rather than the bird itself. Oh, it's literally got the hide. It's got, it's got the hide right, at Attenborough. Right. I mean, basically, you know, it's a, it's a really good story for Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust that they built a, a special hide bank for yeah. these uh, lovely creatures. And uh, we thought, well, why not celebrate that... Um, on the label, and uh, obviously we we support. Do they sell it at Attenborough? They do. Ah, they good. Do. So we've recently started. Um, I think we've been there for about a year, maybe maybe a bit more, selling beer at Attenborough. Um, it goes really well. Obviously, it's kind of you know right product in the right place, um, and that was a bit fortunate that we got in there because a friend of a friend worked there, and they were looking for a brand having their new. Um, farm shop and deli area right and then someone mentioned from the notebook and, yeah and now we and i think they're really pleased with with the products and how they're selling and now we do a beer that supports them and i'm really happy about that because it's obviously my local patch yeah that's excellent and, and how many species have you done how many different beers have you got uh, i added it up today 29 we've done 29. so far yeah but they're not all on sale all the time are they Is no they're right? not no. they're not and um you know i've when I first started um, uh, the whole brand, I was very conscious that, you know, I, I liked what we were doing. I thought it was going to be a commercial success. I was very keen to get a lot of the wildlife charities on board as quickly as I could. Therefore, I probably did too many beers, as it were. But, you know, I thought it was such a good idea to, and I think we're the only company that links all of the wildlife charities under one brand. 
Yeah, it's a good way of looking. Because, I mean, so is each each beer is a different charity. So you've literally worked with 29. No, no, no. no. We've worked, we do, done some repeats. For example, the first, the first four beers, the, um, the Arctic Turn, the Puffin, the Kittywick, and the Female Ivor, they all support the Marine Conservation Society. Right, okay. And continue to support the cons- Marine Conservation Society. Okay, okay. And then the first four butterfly beers and the moth beers support the butterfly conservation. Yeah. So, but you've so, still worked with a hell of a lot of charities yeah, under one so, banner. Yeah, so yeah. so we've we've done we've done a few, and there's, there's always someone at the bird fair will come along and say, "Hey, can you do a beer for us?" And <laughs> I'd I'd love to get around them all. Yeah, but it's kind of sometimes it's difficult, and you know the only money that the company has is what I put into it. Yeah. So cash flow is king. So you know I can't do all the beers at all the time. No, so, no, no. no. But a lot of the species lend themselves to being seasonal beer, seasonal beers. So, you know, with the likes of the Red Admiral, we bring that out in the autumn. We had a lovely beer that we brought out. Orange tip would be like, you know, the first indicator of spring when it's on the shelves yeah. and, uh, and things like that. So, and a lot of the seabirds, we kind of time uh, their availability to when the breeding season is. So spring, the, the, yeah. the, the seabirds, you think. They spend their time out at sea and they only come come on to land to breed. So, <laughs> so that's what we do. We make them available for when when the, the customers know that they're out there and they're they're watching them. Yeah. So hopefully we've whetted the appetite enough of listeners. So if people would like to buy a bottle of beer, maybe as a Christmas present to a an ale loving birder or just anyone who enjoys a, a bottle of beer, where's the best place for them to to grab one? Probably online because yeah. uh, basically all all of the beers that we have at one particular time will go to my distributor in the northeast because they all started from up there. Yeah, and uh, so he he uh, he and she uh, Stephen and Katrina they've been with me from day one. They're really supportive, and um, yeah, their their links on my website and um, all the available species that we'll have at any time are available through them. And we have things like. Um, you know, special packs where we have like a maybe a, a kind of ape special. Um, I of, saw uh, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of collection box and things, and then we've got uh, what we call our biodiversity beer box, where you can kind of mix and match the species that you want to put in. So it might be some some creature that you really passionate about their conservation, or it might be the style of the beer that you like. Whatever lights your candle, then you can <laughs> have it as a. And it's a, a fantastic Christmas present for people. So that's off the notebook.com, is it? Uh, from the notebook. From sorry, from the notebook.co.uk. Okay. Well I'll put a link for it in the description anyway, just to make it nice and mm. easy. But look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Always good to chat about wildlife and beer. And I think it'd be rude if we didn't finish off a couple of these beers. So we'll leave the listeners there. But thanks for coming on, Graham. Thank you for having me, Jack. Thank you. That was Graham Denton from Off the Notebook. Uh, They were some great beers. I've already finished them, so they were fantastic. I might start making a habit of having several beers during podcasts. I think that might be the the new model. If you want one of Graham's beers, the link is below, and it's offthenotebook.co.uk, and you can find them all there. They're a great present for people who like beer and wildlife, so why not combine the two? Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at TitBearded, and the Facebook page, The Bearded Tits Podcast. You can also check out the YouTube channel, Wildlife Exposed TV, where you can watch most of these interviews and see our faces, because why wouldn't you want to see our faces? Next week, I've got Tanya Esteban, and this time it actually is her. If any of you are regular listeners, you'll know a few weeks ago I said she was coming on. 
we have to reschedule. She is actually on next week because we've already recorded it. Uh, she's an assistant producer and worked on multiple Attenborough series, including the recent series, The Mating Game, as we chat all about filming animal sex. Mmm, what more do you want? This has been the Bearded Tits podcast. I've been Jack Perks, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>